Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Daf Shavua. <clears throat> As we study Mesechus Kesuvos, Daf Chafei. I hope you're going to be able to hear me. I'm in an airport, but I want to make sure to record this year on time. We are now covering some of the issues of the Yichas of a Kohen. Very uh, fascinating halachas and very relevant. Now, the way we got into these discussions, if you recall, going back a uh, couple of blocks, was what the sugya called hapesha asa pesha hitir, where somebody makes a claim about their personal status. That's the way we're formulating it now. And if they said something that no one else would have known, and they could have prohibited themselves, but then they qualify to say that they're okay, then pesha asa pesha hitir. Now, I came across the following tshuva of Ramosha. I'm going to uh, connect this to our sugya, but it's good to have anyway, and it's really interesting. I was looking up a certain tshuva about Kohanim, and this sugya, this um, tshuva of Reb Moshe popped in. In the beginning of Chelek Dalad, of the Shalos Tshuvas Igros Moshe, which are the tshuvas of Reb Moshe Feinstein, we have a number of Shalos Tshuvas post-Shoah. These are just... Uh, Heartbreaking Shalos Achuvos dealing with Akunos, dealing with marriages. One of the issues that you see in some of these questions is that people back in Europe, now this could have been before, before World War I as well, even more so than before World War II, but even at the time of World War II, people would have fake marriages. Fake marriages mean there wasn't necessarily Chup and Kiddushin. This could have been done for alternative reasons. Most famously, in order to get out of uh, one of the army, let's say the Tsar's army. It also could have been done for the purposes of visas. There were a lot of things that were going on. And the law of the land had to often be broken. I mentioned in Shul uh, last week that uh, one of my rebbeim in Yeshiva University his father had to deal with the black market in order to save Jewish lives. So, you know, this is not the United States of America where we're having fake marriages. The assumption in the United States of America is that not only do we have to do a chuppah and kiddushin, but, for example, as a uh, rabbi, practicing rabbi, I also have to register that marriage civilly. Now, believe it or not, sometimes people don't want that to happen. Let's say you have a second marriage, or it's a much older couple in a second marriage. It could be first marriage as well. But for tax reasons, they want to keep things as a, uh, as a single. Not just a question of filing taxes, but what happens sometimes, I give you the inside scoop here, you have problems with the kids. You know, family has... Uh, a man's 85, 90 years old, wants to get married. I just heard last week about a 95-year-old who wanted to get married for a third time. And they're grown kids. So the grown kids of this 95-year-old man, they're not interested in sharing the will with the nice new lady that the man met. So these are practical reasons. Now, I wouldn't do such a wedding. But... Uh, I could find you the phone number of those that will. I just won't give it to you. So here's a question. And this question comes to 
Reb Moshe as many questions came from a certain Reb Moshe Poland. When I say from many of these questions, these are questions that came from American rabbis and from uh, European rabbis. I think I recognize this name of Moshe Svi Poland, who I think was a Rav in Brooklyn. I'm not 100% sure. Someone could correct me. So what happened here was, and I'm going to read part of this truva. You have a person who comes from Europe, and he wants to marry a woman from here, the United States of America. So a good Masonic Kedushin is going to investigate what's happening. Now he says right away that I had a woman, I had a wife back in Europe, but it was done as a sham for some other reasons than for romance, the low hope of the Kedushin. Even back then, we separated from each other. And he says, I heard that after the war, she ended up somewhere in Eretz Yisrael. But we, I have no way really of contacting her. So now the Rav wants to know, this uh, young man now finds a nice firm girl who he wants to marry. Should he be Masada Kedushin? He should be believed by us. This is the discussion in the tshuva. Exactly as we've learned. He didn't have to bring up this issue in the first place. The fact that he did, it's the same mouth that would have made it asur, now makes it heter. But prat, kafiyamatzav, sham, and especially considering that the most of the situations there, sheruba deruba heim, these types of marriages that were done back then without even this guy saying Ruba Daruba, most of them were without and even if you want to say that it was a secular type of marriage and some are concerned that a civil marriage common law marriage maybe would ex- somehow create a quasi type of kedushin. Lo shayich sham shamim That's only in a situation where it's actually listed by the government. It becomes like an official marriage, but that's not what happened over here. And even if it was listed, they could have easily just had a separation take place. So we're not going to worry about that concern. The bottom line is, Ramosha says, you could go ahead with the wedding. It, it would be best to investigate, because maybe this was one of the exceptional cases where there was a chuppah v'kidushin. So hapesha asa pesha hitter is enough to create a presumption, but Ramosha is saying, im it's only without Biror. So it's a very fascinating formulation of Pesha Asa Pesha Hitter. It's somewhat qualified if it's easy to do investigation. He's also saying there's a limit to the investigation. If you could do it before the marriage, then it's fine. Because maybe there was a Chubla Vikidushin, but you don't have to delay the marriage. Now, Ramosha does say 
that, let's say you find that woman. And that woman says, I'm a little concerned because there was a reputation that I got married. And maybe a civil marriage has some status. What she's concerned here about is being an aguna. So Ramosha says, You should be concerned. And then people will say, we got a problem over here. We have a married woman. So if you could get this woman a get, even though you actually never married her halachically, then everybody wins. Just incredible. You see the complexity of the halacha and obviously the complexity of the situation. Ramosha has two chuvos that I, uh, in the same chalik that we're referring to, chalik dalit, dealing with uh, our sugya and the yichus of a kohen and how yichus is established. This is probably going to take up the rest of uh, this year, but I do want to point out a couple of other things. On Ahmed Bey's we discuss uh, the Kohen being called up for an aliyah. This is actually a big discussion. It's done today because of uh, Sholem, because we don't want to pick who's really the biggest Tamakacham. The biggest Tamakacham really should get the first aliyah. That doesn't override Vikidashta, which is the Pasuk that talks about the Kohen getting special honors. When this becomes a major issue, is let's say at Bar Mitzvahs, Last week in Ketatara, this was there was so many bar mitzvahs, and what happens? We sometimes have a simcha where there's so many kohanim and levim. Do you ask every kohen to leave the room? It's not really the right practice. Some distinctions are made during the week. Now, someone asked me last week. I just want to mention this parenthetically. What happens outside of the Orthodox community? Like, how do they deal with all these shilas of who's a kohen? So it's not really my uh, expertise. I'm an Orthodox rabbi. But I'll tell you a couple of fascinating uh, issues. And I'm happy to send you more documents. When I was a rabbi in uh, Connecticut, without giving away too much information, there was a rabbi in town who was uh, Kohen. And I don't want to say whether he was conservative or reform. It doesn't make so much of a difference in this case. But he renounced his kahuna. What does that mean? Now, in one of the movements, there's no need to renounce your kahuna because, well, now you figure it out because the reform have this crazy responsa. I don't want to call it a responsa. I'm not trying to judge, but just to show you how even the reform have uh, their own version of Shailos and Chuvos where they say uh, the whole concept of a kohen, it goes against their whole egalitarian system. And they write straight out, we don't believe in the redemption, the Messiah, the building of the base Hamigdash. So it's irrelevant to have a Kohen. And there's also a big issue came up in the conservative world about Kohanim marrying Grushos. And they do consider it an issue, but they found other factors overriding it. And they even bring in that every Kohen is really a Suffolk Kohen. Now, life's not that easy. And Ramosha had to deal with this in a real and a concrete way. Now, let's just set things up a little bit from going back earlier in the Masechta. And this is a little bit of a combination of some of the things that we've learned. So remember we discussed the concept of Shavya Nafshi Chati Chadisure. 
we talk about a piece of meat, but it also could be about a human being. You have a Baal and he comes to a Rav, he comes to a Bezdin, and he says, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is I found an ice firm girl. She happens to be a Gurusha. That's in itself not bad news, but the bad news is that I'm a Kohen. Now, how does the Rav look at that? It's a tragic situation. If we have to say to them, don't get married, and that will be the situation sometimes if it's a Kohen whose Yichus is established. Ramosha is going to, we're going to go look at the two Shuvos. At first, we'll be shocked actually how short these Shuvos are. Rabbi uh, J.D. Bleich has a very extensive article. I'm going to refer, I'll refer to part of the article in the sixth volume of his contemporary responsa, where he mentions these chuvas or Moshe, he actually mentions as well, he was surprised, he's not judging, by the, the, bre- the shortness of the chuvas on such a heavy topic. Now you see that in Reb Moshe. If, if you opened up a chuva of Reb Avadia, you see the whole sugya discussed from A to Z. Ramosha is not always going to do that. It could have been dependent on how much time he had. Maybe he's just trying to get the basic point across. I'm not, you know, this is all speculation. So let's look uh, first at the tshuva of Ramosha <coughs> in Chelek Dalit of Evan Ezer Simon Yud Aleph. I've been reading a little bit more from the tshuvos inside because uh, it's really important to pick up the uh, language and some of which is based on our Gemara and other Gemaras that we've seen in Ksuvis. So here's the case. You have a person, he considers himself to be a Kohen. The Lushan that's being used in the Rambam is Shehechsik Atzmola Kohen. It's not like there's an objective Chazaka, it's a subjective Chazaka, because he, per- he believes that he's a Kohen. Where does his knowledge come from? So his, it, the knowledge comes from his father, who's not a Shomatara. <clears throat> now, I want to take a little bit of an aside. In our generation, when someone's not a Shomatara, it's not necessarily because they're lahachis, but the general assumption is going to be that their testimony does not have nemanis. And that's what's going to be at the core of a lot of these chuvos. Even if it's a person who we call Tinok Shenishba, which is a term the Chazonish like to use, it wasn't his own term, for even Israelis who were not educated properly. Now, those that are going to be stricter, and there are certain Shuvos that will say that maybe the person actually is a Kohen, they're going to have to deal with establishing the Yichus. How are you going to establish the yichus if you're in a Baal Shuva situation? So maybe you have to go look at the stone where you see the hands of a Kohen, which generally were kept by Hever Kedisha that were very reliable. <clears throat> There's already discussion in the Rishonim of whether a is enough, which goes back to something we learned earlier when it come, came to confirming Aegis. Are they confirming the event took place? Are they confirming exactly what the Masada Kedushin wrote? 
Maybe he actually was told that the person's a Kohen, but that wasn't his goal. His goal was to create a marriage, and maybe the person's not a Kohen. That's already discussed in Rishonim. Rabbi Bleich has in his article something from <coughs> the former chief rabbi of Israel, Yisrael Lau, that even the name Kohen is no proof. A lot of people in Europe, and many of them when they came to Eretz Yisrael, or to the United States, they took on the mother's side of the family. We know we have that, I know I have that in my own family from my mother's side, which was Burglass, which was really not originally her father's side of the family, but the mother's side. And there were different reasons for that relating to some of the issues that we discussed above. So Ramosha says, going back to his case, the whole knowledge that this person has. Okay, there's no other strong testimony. There's no real chazaka. It comes from his father. <clears throat> now, the father is not trying to hurt the kid. He's telling the kid he's a Kohen because he remembers he remembers that at his bar mitzvah, the father, but so he remembers being called up as a Kohen. Now, we don't know where the bar mitzvah is taking place. We don't know, is it conservative, is it reform? Even the reform who did away with Kohen, God, Kohen and Levi, sometimes they'd let the family, if they want, use the name Kohen at the end. <clears throat> and then he tells us that there's a history. So you're dealing with this Baal Tshuva, his father who claimed to be a Kohen at his Bar Mitzvah, but he himself went away from the way of Yahadus at a certain point and rebelled against his father. This is the language that's being used. So you have no, no Nehmanus. And then listen to this. There was a cousin who said that his father's brother was not a Kohen. So how is it possible that you could have two brothers, one being a Kohen and one is not a Kohen? So you put all these factors together and Ramosha said, this person is not a Kohen. And the question is, how many of these factors do you have to actually put together? It seems pretty clear from the tshuva is you didn't need the additional testimony from the cousin who declared that her father, brother of the man's father, made a challenge. That's just an additional fact that Ramosha puts in. There are many tshuvas in Eretz Yisrael where these issues uh, came up as well. Now, I wanted to point out to the other tshuva of Ramosha, and then I want to get to one final point regarding Shavya Nachshe, Chaticha Disura, that we covered earlier. The case over here is going to be Be'inyan Echot Shenasa Nachris. So a man marries a non Jew, and then he's Chosab Tshuva. Then this woman is going to end up being Giyaris. And it's the same thing, that he's a Kohen. Kohen can't marry a Gioras. So Ramosha talks over here, it's very interesting how this guy became a Balchuva. because of Chabad. And he goes and he traces the history of the family. And he says, even going back, this is in Ukraine, two, three generations, Yahadus was uh, really falling apart. You know, we talk about the good old days. 
and he says, "Afla inyan bein al machavera v'kol shkain inyan kafira b'ashem yisbarach v'tarasa." There were problems not only bein al mamakam but al machavera. This he comes most likely from a family that denied God. So we're not just talking about a tinok shenishba. Umikavan shalachanech es beno afa mixas hadvarim who asked mavade hayimehem. He says the, the the family that were going back three generations, the grandfather, maybe even the great grandfather, there was no education in this family. So he says at the end, the Gairus, no matter how good the Gairus is, it's not going to have any impact on his kahuna because we're never able to establish any any kahuna in the first place. So this is the second shuv of remotion, and we could break this down as well. Rabbi Blech brings down a contradictory position by some of the Rabbanim and Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Benzion Uziel, Rabbi Yitzchak Halevi Herzog, very big names, Rabbi Meshulam Roth, and they have a different case, a case where a woman divorced a Kohen who claimed that she and her former but now deceased husband had remarried. She was entitled to the rights and prerogatives of a widow. She's going for the inheritance. And since the marriage between a Kohen and a divorcee is forbidden, the marriage was done without the benefit of a Masadic Kedushin. So there are all these different technical arguments that are made. And they allow a stringency here, unlike Ramosha, because he says that if you're going to knock out a witness who's not 100% Shomer Shabbos, then there are going to be so many witnesses that would be knocked out. You can't just undermine the credibility because you say a person is not from. But I don't think that's really what Ramosha was saying. Ramosha was saying there was really a lack of knowledge so that was that case. Now, I wanted to bring up the following issue because this learns to something that we saw earlier. What happens to Shavi Nafshi Chadicha Disur? The bottom line is this Kohen's come along and he's saying that he's a Kohen. We've already seen a person could come along and say, This piece of meat is not kosher to me, even though it would be kosher to everyone else. So, and this issue is raised. Uh, Rabbi Blach brings this case down from the Yerushalayim Bezdin Yahadus. But I think this would be the answer. And if you look into Rabbi Blach's article that I'm happy to share with you, he more or less goes the same way that I would argue. And obviously his position is uh, much stronger than mine. When you say, Shavi Nafshi Chaticha Disura, the person who's saying it, let's say with a food item, he knows the facts which means he understands that there's a halacha, that if you prohibit something upon yourself, you're not going to be able to have it. He's in the parsha of Yudias, of knowledge, and he's established upon himself this prohibited peace. This Kohen who says that he's a Kohen, he has no idea what that means. I mean, he may know that there's a Kohen who goes up to Dubirchus Kohenim, but he doesn't understand the broad ramifications that he's going to be prohibited to a Grusha. He'll be prohibited to a Gioris. He doesn't understand the details. Yemita Kohen, who's a Balchuva, is not the first thing that he knows. In fact, when we are Megayer, a woman, 
It's one of the first things we tell her at the actual Geras. Remember, you may meet a very nice man. You are a Geras. You cannot marry a Kohen. But the Baal Shuvah who's coming along, he hasn't had the same training. Okay, there's so much more to learn that we didn't get into. And I encourage you to keep learning, asking questions. Have a great week of Talmud Torah.